In front of a crowd of over 53,000 at the Emirates last weekend, we saw a North London derby with magnificent goals, full-blooded challenges and a resounding 4-0 win for the home side as Arsenal sent Tottenham packing with a ruthless display. That was in the WSL, but can Arsenal replicate that in the Premier League this weekend? Or will Antonio Conte's version of Spurs prove a tougher nut to crack? I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Big games require the big names. My regular wingman, Mark O'Hare. Well, I would say he's been holed up in the Bet Cave, but that would be a lie because actually he's been on holiday in Mallorca. So, Mark, I thought you'd be concentrating on the Nations League and the Faroe Islands beating Turkey. I was, yeah. Well, I was largely trying to do some World Cup prep and therefore sort of trying to get a good look at some of the, the European uh, competitors from the Nations League. But also, yeah, I, I can't sort of resist a, a delve into some of those minnows matches, um, particularly Group D. It's always good fun. They're always trying to kick each other and take each other's heads off uh, to try and take a few points. So, uh, yeah, always good entertainment. So you thought you'd be able to get away with uh, watching the Nations League while your daughter was running around? So. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it was most of the trip was just kind of following her around, making sure she didn't kill herself. So, um, yeah. Exactly. Oh, there's a goal for Luxembourg against Turkey. And then he had to dive to save her from going into the swimming pool. <laughs> well, let's take a look at this North London derby then, because Arsenal are the 2.14 favourites. And I understand that they're the home side. I understand that they have an excellent home record, generally under Mikel Arteta, especially uh, against the weaker sides in the division. But that does seem like a, a huge gap between the sides. Do you think that Tottenham under Antonio Conte are really that far behind Arsenal? Um, I found the odds fascinating, actually, and really quite interesting because what the market's effectively saying right now is Arsenal are, are, are slightly the better team, slightly the stronger suit. Um, and I'd be surprised if most people, most Premier League watchers, kind of agreed with that. I think we'd all probably say the two teams are, are very much neck and neck. If not, you might give Spurs even the, the edge here. So if Arsenal were... were Kind of, and Spurs are rated around equal. You'd probably expect Arsenal to be around 2.25, 2.3. Um, so 2.1 to 2.15. You know, there's a bit of wriggle room there to suggest that Spurs might be the the value of the two teams here. I know we're only seven games deep, and Arsenal's numbers are largely sort of matching their results in terms of being very, very good and impressive. But they have had quite a soft schedule, which we've touched on previously too. And pre-season, Spurs were 1.73 to finish in the top four. Arsenal were, were two to one in the same market. Um, so, you know, not that long ago, the market suggested Spurs were like, quite comfortably the better team. So to suggest that Arsenal have now leapfrogged or at least closed that gap significantly in the head-to-head -head ratings, I feel is a little bit premature, personally. Uh, I know Tottenham haven't completely convinced um, in getting some of those results, but they have done. But they've got the, the more astute head coach, you have to say, too. Um, I still think they've got the edge in forward areas as well. Um, but still, we're waiting to see them sort of click into gear properly and, and produce 
probably the more polished performances than we've seen so far. Arsenal have been very good at what they've done, and even in defeat against Man United, there were signs of, of real positives, really. So, um, yeah, I mean, we're very early stages of the season, and, and I would take issue with those prices, but not enough for me to really sort of hammer home and get Tottenham on side in this match because it is a North London derby, and their record away at the Emirates or at Highbury is, is pretty woeful, um, even when they've had very strong teams and the good coaches too. So, um, yeah, sort of in reply to your question, um, I wouldn't be back in Arsenal at the prices. Talking of holidays, we're still trying to find out who sanctioned a long holiday for him for goals. Jake Osgathorpe has been in South Korea for three weeks, but he's finally turned up. Jake, are the XG robots angry with you for leaving them powered down for so long? Uh, yeah, they, they need a little recharge of their own, to be fair, battery-wise. They've not had a rest much, uh, for about two, three years, given everything that's been going on. So, yeah, they didn't miss too much either. The, the football was quite light, wasn't it, from a Premier League standpoint, with everything that happened. So, um, yeah, in hindsight, picked a decent time to go away, the international break on top of that. But, yeah, what a cracking game to come back to, anyway, with the Arsenal Spurs. Echo pretty much everything what Mark said. I think, um, for me, Arsenal are a little bit too short. They, they usually are a team, particularly when they're playing at the Emirates, that I want to get on side because their underlying numbers at home are simply fantastic. They average 2.3 expected goals for per game, allow just one expected goal against per game across the last 22 uh, home Premier League matches. And that's kind of, well, it's as close as you're going to get to the levels we see from Liverpool and City, really. Um, it, it's just to, just to sort of emphasise how strong they are when playing at home. But, you know, Spurs... They're no pushovers on the road under Conte. I think they've lost only three of 16 away from home in the league under Antonio Conte. Um, they themselves have got a decent away process, uh, averaging around 1.8 expected goals for per game, 1.2 against, um, which is fairly solid. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm again, I'm like Mark, I'm swerving the, the the sort of 1x2 market completely. I think that the market, I do think Arsenal are a little bit too short, but by the same token, I don't think I trust Spurs enough um, particularly in what is a big away game to, to get a result. So I actually went elsewhere. Um, I think that there's going to be goals. I think it's going to be high scoring. Both teams create a lot of good chances. I know Arsenal have shown some improvements defensively. Um, but I still think that, that both teams, the, the best units on the pitch are the attacking units. And I think we will see quite a high scoring game. Five of the last six Northland and Derbys have seen over two and a half goals. But again, the price is just so short. It's been chipped in all week, the overs the both teams to score. So you're having to pivot again if you want to try and find value. And, and I think that if, there's, if, you, if you're expecting goals, you have to look in the goal scorer market. And I was really surprised to see a price around 8-5 to five for Harry Kane to score any time in this game. Um, he's a player who's obviously got an unbelievable record in this fixture. 13 goals is the most anyone's ever scored in the North London derbies. Um, and so far this season, he's he's been very, very sharp. He's getting chances as well. 0.64 expected goals per 95 is what he's averaging. Uh, he's obviously scored six goals already. And, and, and yeah, I've got this down around a 2-2 kind of game. And you have to think that if there's a couple of goals scored by Spurs, the chances of Kane getting on the end of one of them is quite high. And also you've got penalties on your side as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I thought Kane any time just looked a little bit too big for me in this one. And every show needs the odd showbiz guest appearance. Brad Pitt on Friends, Stephen Hawking on The Big Bang Theory, Michelle Obama on Parks and Rec. Thrilled to say for the first time in a long time, top trader Jason Murphy is with us. Jason, I wanted to ask you about squad rotation because Antonio Conte, one of the things that's been levelled against him down the years, especially in Europe, is that he doesn't rotate his squad enough. He has his favourites and he picks the same 11 over and over again. And if you look at Spurs, eight of their players have started at least six 
of their seven Premier League games. So you've got to think at some stage that's going to have an effect. Yeah, it's, it's a very interesting question. Uh, there is an argument at the moment that the way he, they're training now um, is that come the end of the season, they'll almost have that second wind and get them through, potentially challenging on both fronts, i.e. the Champions League and the Premier League. It's, it's, it's a fair accusation that has been levelled at Conte previously, but the squad that is now built at Spurs, I think it's 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 fine for rotation. If if he doesn't rotate now, it won't be because of a lack of options. You have the likes of Richarlison there that gives him options up front. You know, Son gets the rest. And then we see the reaction from Son now when he does get on the pitch. Uh, Romero plays in the back three when he's fit, but the fact he's out, OK, I don't think Davison Sanchez has been great, but there's options in the back line as well. And then you have the likes of Ivan Perisic, who I think has had a couple of assists compared to the minutes he's actually been on the pitch. Like, he delivers when he gets on as well. So the options are there for him to rotate this season. I don't think failure to get out of the Champions League group, like, it should not happen. Spurs should be getting out of the group with the squad that they have this season. Um, and it's... They're, they're starting 11 when they put it out for any game against the top sides. They're the one team that I think probably best challenges Liverpool and City as opposed to what City or Arsenal or Man United can put up against those top two. That Spurs 11, the way they can sit and break on the counter with the attacking options is it's frightening. And therefore, week to week, if he targets the league and he goes with his best 11 week to week, Spurs can definitely be involved in the title race come the business part of next season. I think Alex Ferguson always said after Christmas, come March, that's when you want to be involved. And if Spurs are involved still at that stage, then yeah, they've got a great chance under Conte. But obviously this match is, it's, I can't wait for this match on Saturday. It's a half 12 kickoff. It's the wife's birthday this weekend, but thanks to the all or nothing documentary, she's a bit of a fan of Arsenal at the moment. So it should be an easy <laughs> sell. Um, similar to Mark's thoughts there, we we find it very hard to split these two teams. If you look at Arsenal, 22 home games since the start of last season, if you put a £10 stake on Arsenal to win in each of those games, you would be up about 21% profit. So Arsenal are a team to back under a home. Likewise, Tottenham, 22 away games since the start of last season. If you put £10 on Tottenham to win those games, you'd be up 21% in profit as well. So you can't split... Arsenal's home record is just as good as Tottenham's away record. And from the back end of last season, the ratings that we've made to improve these teams, we've actually improved them both by more or less the same amount. So even looking at last season's match price of Arsenal, about 2.26, we've improved both teams since then last season. So this Arsenal price looks a little short to me. I'd agree with Mark. And the one reason I think it's a bit short is I reduce home advantage I think more than what the market tends to do for derbies. And therefore, if you had Arsenal and Tottenham absolutely level with the starting 11s, you should be seeing Arsenal about six to five, five to four. The factor shorter than that. And the home derby reduces home advantage. If you wanted to have a look in the match betting, I suppose record still isn't great going away to Arsenal. I think though a small lay on Arsenal, but it won't be my best tip for this game. But that's, that's, that's what I think of the match prices. And Jason, we've got a new market uh, for betters to keep an eye on, haven't we? Yeah, so we're rolling out for the standalone Premier League games this weekend. We're going to start offering uh, player passes. So you can back a player to have 30 plus, 50 plus, 70 plus or 90 plus passes this weekend. What position on the pitch roughly has the most passes? 
centre-half. Yeah, centre-half tends to be where most of the action is. So your centre-halves, your deep-lying centre-midfielders, that's where you're going to see most of the passes happening. So for this weekend, kind of had a look at the prices that we've had. If you were looking side on the Tottenham side, uh, Holdberg there, since the start of 2021, January 2021, he's had about 14% of Tottenham's passes. In this game last season, even though Tottenham took a bit of a hammering, he had 70 passes in that game. So you can get 15 to 8 on Holdberg, put it in your bet builders to have 70-plus passes in this match. Or, obviously, for the Arsenal fans out there, you could have a look at Granit Xhaka. Obviously, it'll be popper, you know, fouls to be booked. But for passes, he's had 13% of Arsenal's passes since the start of 2021. He's 11 to 4 to have 70 or more passes. So I don't know which sounds more tempting, Holberg at 15 to 8 or Zaka at 11 to 4. I'd be quite tempted to go with Hoybier then, maybe. Yeah, well, look, the options there, we've priced up all the players that are likely to be involved across those four markets. So definitely it's a new option. You can have a look in your bet builders for Betfair. So it's worth bearing in mind you can get a completely free £2 bet to use on bet builders on any Premier League game from the 1st to the 2nd of October. T's and C's in the description, 18 plus, see gambleaware.org. So if we were going to put together a bet builder for this North London derby, Jake, where would we start? I'll just go with the bet that I put up before, Kane to score. I think it's uh, uh, it's got a great chance of happening. The way in which both teams are playing, they're very front-footed teams, aren't they? They're both playing really strong attacking football. They're creating lots of chances and I think it'll be quite an open game which will only increase Kane's chances of scoring. It's a nice, chunky way to start. Jason, what would you throw in? I'd be looking at Gabriel Jesus and I'd be putting him in to score or to be shown a card market. Um, obviously, he's got four goals this season but he's also got four yellow cards and if you look at the stats in terms of fouls committed for his time on the pitch, he's committed 22% of Arsenal's fouls which is quite a high number um, so if the game's going well for Arsenal maybe he's scored and that's clicked or if it's not going well you know maybe he's picked up the yellow so 5-6 to six for him to score or to be carded I think is a really strong leg for a bet builder in this game and Mark what would you go with? Uh, I'll take over two and a half goals then um, I think we've already sort of suggested this could be a really entertaining affair between two teams in great sort of form at the minute uh, Spurs I think City have scored more goals than Spurs so far this season Arsenal top of the table as we know, uh, this fixture has a history of goals. If you go back to the, the start of the decade, they played 44 times in the Premier League with matches averaging 3.11 goals. 70% have gone uh, BTTS and 61% have featured three or more goals. And just this season alone, combine the two teams' Premier League fixtures and you've had 10 over two and a half goals winners from 14 fixtures. So, um, yeah, I think there's a, there's going to be goals in this game, uh, even more so if Thomas Partey is missing as well for Arsenal, which has, you know, still doubts around his involvement. Graham Potter takes charge of Chelsea in the Premier League for the first time as they make the short trip to Crystal Palace. He has been in charge uh, for a uh, Champions League game so far, but then the game against Liverpool uh, was postponed. Jake, it's the first time I've spoken to you since the appointment. What do you make of that and how do you see this game going? Uh, I think it's a great appointment. Uh, I really do. I, I think it was... Is the right time for Potter to make that step up. I think he, he's shown what he can do with very limited budget, albeit very well-run uh, football club from an analytics perspective. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's a really, really good appointment for Chelsea and it's a good good opportunity for Potter. Um, and it, all in all, really, it should be a match made in heaven because the players that he's got there are already used to playing a kind of similar system to what Potter played at Brighton, which is 
uh, obviously a, a back three, a Potter's back three or general team was a little bit more attack minded than Tuchel's. Um, but I think the players he's got there, he can really make something uh, something special. The, the main thing for me is we know that Potter and his Brighton team generally were one of the better defensive teams in the league based on expected goals. He'll bring that to Chelsea. The other thing we know is that at Brighton, his team created a lot of good chances and did score at a rate that perhaps they they should have based on, on the quality of those chances. Part of that is down to, you know, as I've spoken about before, the post-shot XG, poor finishing, perhaps the odd good goalkeeping performance and maybe blocks from defenders. Uh, well, at least now at Chelsea, you have to think that he's got better finishes at his disposal, you know, the likes of uh, of Havertz and Aubameyang, etc. So, um, yeah, I think that that could be something that, that takes the potter ball to another level. Uh, and I actually think this is a decent game for them, for him to start in the Premier League. Um, Crystal Palace, we were very high on them at the start of the season. I'm still very high on them um, in, in general, but... There are some concerning signs, um, particularly defensively. They've shipped 2.28 expected goals against per game so far this season, which is actually the highest in the entire Premier League. So they've been the worst defensive team so far. Um, caveat that with the fact that they have had a tough schedule. They've played Arsenal, they've played Liverpool, they've played City. Um, and I probably would overlook that slightly if they weren't playing another member of the Big Six this weekend. But the fact that they are playing uh, another member of that Big Six, teams that are more... Are, you know, better at attacking than the majority of the Premier League, then I think they could be a little bit of a problem for Palace. So, um, yeah, the, the that that's a, a big alarm bell for me, particularly in this game for Crystal Palace. And I generally would be siding with them at home. Um, but from what we've seen, Brentford went there the other, you know, a couple of games ago and, and racked up over two expected goals, should have won that game. Um, and this Chelsea team, I think, under Potter, we got a sneak peek, didn't we, against Salzburg? It, it was a very Brighton-esque performance in the way that they dominated yeah. football, <laughs> created plenty of chances, but didn't win the game. Um, but the key for me was the fact that they did create the chances and they limited Salzburg to just 0.2 expected goals in that game. So it was a really solid defensive display against a, uh, a team that many across Europe would, would say are a very attack-minded team. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of positives, I think, for Chelsea heading into the game on the Chelsea side and the fact that Crystal Palace are... Um, in my what the numbers are suggesting, they're, they're defensively there's a few question marks there. So I thought Chelsea at 1.9 was a, was a fair price, uh, a fair bet. Uh, and I, is Jason smirking? I, I'm guessing he's is he is he going to oppose what I'm saying? Jason's here? always smirking. Don't worry about that. Jason's taking Chelsea <laughs> on by the looks of it. So we've got a bit of a head to head. But yeah, I, I think this is a good game for Chelsea, a good game for Potter to get uh, off the mark in the Premier League. He's only been back, uh, you know, a, a few days, and he's already second guessing himself, Jake. Uh, we've got the psychodrama back already. I wasn't um, second guessing myself. I was giving you a nice lead into Jason. Then. Okay, well we'll see. Jason, is he right? <laughs> um, it's, it's all about probabilities, and you know, absolutely, Chelsea could go and win the game. But based on on some specific factors around this, I think if Jake was to give the same kind of spiel in about three months' time, I'd, I'd be leaning with Chelsea at that price, but given the factors specific to this game and it taking place this weekend, I'd be opposing Chelsea at that price at the moment for a couple of reasons. Um, Chelsea are a top four team, but based on our supremacies, our expectations for the matches they played under Tuchel, they've underperformed massively. Like three quarters of a goal worse off what they're expected, you know, performance would have been so instead of being a top four team they've been performing like you know a team that's eight ninth tenth in the table 
Now, Potter is a very, very good appointment. Tuchel, it's very harsh, I think. But Potter is a very good appointment. And there is that narrative, oh, get him in for the international break because it's a perfect time to have a manager there. But you have a manager at a training ground with 20-odd players gone all around the world for international. Yeah. So he hasn't had the opportunity to work with them. It was a 3-5-1-1 formation against Salzburg and it worked quite well. I think probably should have won the game. But I just don't think he he will have had the time to implement what he wants to do as well as he would in three months' time or four months' time if this game was to take place. Whereas Crystal Palace on the other side of it know exactly what they're about under Vieira. Uh, they've had a similar start to what they had last season. And Jake is right to point out that defensively their numbers aren't good. But the context of who they've played this season backs that up. And if you look at their home record, they've only won defeat in their last 11 at Selhurst Park. So for those reasons, I'd be inclined to lay Chelsea at 1.91. Even this game last year was a very late winner with a ZX scored 89, 90th minute to win it. And if you look at potential injury team news, it can only go in your favour laying Chelsea because the doubts are on the key players for Chelsea, such as Mendy and Kante being listed as 50-50. Kante is massive. Uh, France for the World Cup as well. He's just an unbelievable player. So for those reasons, I'd be inclined for this game this weekend to oppose Chelsea at the 1.91. Massive game in Italy this weekend, the Jose Mourinho derby between Inter and Roma. Mark, this feels really significant for both teams, actually. Inter need to get their title pushed back on track, maybe, after a few wobbles. Roma need to show they can compete with the top sides. So there's a lot riding on this. Yeah, there is. Um, I think probably more so for Inter because Simone Inzaghi is really starting to feel the heat um, from the Milan press. Um, Beaten 3-1 at Udinese before the international break. That was their third loss in their first seven league games this season. If you go back to last season, it took them to match day 25 to lose their first three games. Um, If you look at the underlying process, even at this early stage, You'll see Inter aren't amongst the, the top three rated teams in Serie A so far this season. They've lost and conceded three goals uh, to Udinese, Lazio and Milan. They managed just two clean sheets, were totally outplayed at home to Bayern in the Champions League. And Inzaghi is attracting a lot of criticism for, for taking Bastone and, and Mkhitaryan off after half an hour um, against Udinese uh, because they were on yellow cards, really. And the team never looked right uh, after that. Um, a lot of sort of meddling uh, in terms of his team selection uh, and tactical approach. And it's not helping things, really. And things don't seem serene behind the scenes right now for, for Inter. So um, chuck in two more issues really uh, team news wise uh, arguably two of their most key elements are missing this weekend in Brozovic and Chalanoglu um, you're effectively missing the guy who makes things tick and provides the balance as well as their, their key creative influence really and there's still doubts over Lukaku's involvement too so you know Inter have won five games across all competitions this season but every single win has come when they've been heavily heavily favoured uh, and this match I think is going to be quite a tough test because Roma um, have been performing pretty well uh, despite losing 1-0 at Atalanta before the international break. That scoreline was really harsh. They won the shot count 21-4. Uh, Dybala was ruled out during the warm-up as well and, and Tammy Abraham really should have scored a couple of goals in that game too. But Dybala's back this weekend and I think Roma's performances, not just against Atalanta but also against Juventus, I appreciate Juventus are, are not the force of old, but uh, we'll give them 
them plenty of faith to believe that they can go to San Siro and put on a show and, and get a performance out of uh, this team. They've pretty much got a fully fit squad. I think Karlsdorp's the, the only key absentee uh, and their process has been very strong. They're definitely amongst the, the leading lights in that regard. So, um, yeah, I, I'm quite happy to take on Inter here. Roma plus half a goal on the Asian handicap, around about 1.85. You might be able to get 1.9. Uh, I think appeals to me. I think uh, this is a great opportunity for them immediately after an international break to attack an Inter team. Uh, missing two, for me, of their key players in Brozovic and Chalanoglu. It'd be a good sign of how much Roma are progressing, really, under Mourinho, because the thing against them has always been they don't really perform in those big games against the big guns. This football season, get a helping hand with Betfair's popular bet builder. Easily add our most popular or fan-favourite football selections to your bet slip in just one tap. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.org. Back to the Premier League then and two underperforming sides clash as West Ham face Wolves. The Hammers trading around evens here, Jake. Is that a price we could and should attack? Uh, not for me, no. Um, I've not seen enough from either team really to, to think that they're either a bet in the 1x2. They've been, as you said, very underwhelming um, and that comes mainly in the attacking areas. You know, they've, they've both got some really good individual quality on the pitch. You know, the Bowens... Antonio Scamacca and the other side, obviously Jimenez, Pedence, Neto, Diego Costa, who's just re- just re- returned to the Prem. Really looking forward to seeing what he uh, what he can bring to Wolves. But he's yeah, still fighting he's... off those Wolves from the photo shoot. <laughs> yeah, it's an injury he's... doubt because they've eaten him. There's only one player that's going to do that, or going to be mad enough to do that. Um, yeah. Got a lot of time for it. What a player. Um, but yeah, back on topic. Um, under two and a half goals. I don't think it's going to be a very uh, entertaining game, this one, uh, to, to close off Saturday, Saturday's fixtures. 1.78, we're getting on the unders. West Ham really struggling to create chances this season. 1.2 expected goals for per game. Wolves even worse at 1.07. That actually ranks the pair as uh, two of the worst five attacking uh, teams in the entire Premier League so far. Uh, flip side, defensively, they've looked relatively okay. Wolves, 1.36 expected goals against per game, which is fairly steady. West Ham, they have improved. They had a really poor start defensively, obviously shipping a couple, quite a few chances to City and then uh, to Nottingham Forest as well. But since then, they've allowed just 0.84 expected goals against per game. So they are improving at the back, still struggling in attack though. So for few chances at either end is what I'm expecting. As you said, they're both struggling. So it is quite a big game for both, in which case you can see it being slightly, maybe a little bit more cagey than usual. In the German Bundesliga, a quite fancy Christopher and Kunku to score for RB Leipzig against Bochum. Frenchman's price to evens, even though Bochum have a new coach in Thomas Lech. They only have one point from seven games. They've been really poor so far this season. I think they've got big defensive problems. There's been a really bad atmosphere around the club since the start of the season. Thomas Rice wanted to go to Schalke. That's what is being widely reported in the summer. They didn't allow him to go didn't agree a new contract and has now been replaced. And I just think their transfer business over the summer wasn't sufficient for them to be able to compete as a Bundesliga club. And Kunku has gone five domestic games without a goal, but he still looks very sharp to me, still getting in goal-scoring positions. And I think evens in what should be a mismatch, uh, too attractive a price to ignore. Now, I know what you're thinking. I've talked about the North London derby covered into Roma. When are they going to get to East Fife against Sterling? Well, you can stop panicking now. Mark O'Hare has you covered. <laughs> it's been a while since we've gone to, to Scotland's League 2, but I, I think this is a too cracking long. matchup. Far it too has. long. Should be on every week. Um, 
So this is basically what the league table is saying is fourth against second. Um, it's ninth against third if you look at the respective home and away rankings. I know it's very early to start in the season, but uh, in the six game form tables as well, you have a home team that's picked up eight points from those six games and an away team that's picked up 13 points during the same sample. So already you've got um, the visitors basically being favoured uh, across those kind of results based tables. That's before we get onto the shot data. Um, Sterling, the visitors here, are top for both shot and shot on target ratio in Scotland's League Two with a 67% and 69% share. They're playing an East 5 team who are rock bottom of both the shot ratio and second bottom for shots and target ratio uh, with below a 42% share in either. So East 5 are taking the fewest shots and the fewest shots on target in the league and they're entertaining the team that are conceding the fewest and firing in the most. So in terms of points, results, both overall, home and away, form as well as shot data, Sterling should be and are the superior side. Um, yet they're being priced up here as if they're kind of rated around a similar level as these five, and which makes little sense to me really, um, especially as East Fife are managerless. Their, their manager uh, departed earlier in September to go and take up a, a coaching role of Dundee United and, and Sterling um, have picked up a, a player from Dundee United actually uh, this week who should be making a, a big difference at this level, a young player called Kai fothering him too. So um, basically everything to me screams as if Sterling are a bit too big at this price. So we can back them at even money in the draw no bet market. Um, I expect that price to be gone by by Saturday kickoff time because uh, I think as soon as the syndicates wake up and realise that um, all the data sort of is clouding towards Sterling rather than East Fife, I think those prices will start to contract quite significantly and the, and the away team certainly look the big value in that match in Scotland's League too. Those sleepy syndicates, of course, glued to this show. So as soon as they hear that, uh, they will be racing uh, to change that market. Now it's time for the world-famous podcast treble, a betting feature so revered that Stormzy seriously considered featuring Mark O'Hare in the Mel Made Me Do It video, only for it to turn out that Jose Mourinho was actually cheaper. Uh, Mark, any idea what that's a reference to? Yeah, yeah, I know, I know Stormzy. I'm, I'm not that... Oh, okay. He knows yeah. his Stormzy. Yeah, yeah. No, okay. Music I'm all right with. Yeah, it's more films and stuff. So. He's a big fan of drill, actually, uh, Marco. Hey, you wouldn't have known that. Uh, the way this works is uh, each of the three guys come up with a selection ahead of the weekend's action. And then the lovely traders, people like Jason, wrap those up for you in a boosted treble. And Jason, seeing as we're delighted by your appearance here, we are going to start with you. Uh, thanks, Kev. I'm going to tip up what I tipped up earlier for Arsenal against Tottenham. I know it's the early kickoff, but Gabriel Jesus to score or to be shown a card at 5-6, I think is really good value. Uh, checked against a couple of competitors this morning and as a single price, Gabriel Jesus to be booked were the best price there available this morning at 7-2. So you're getting a bit of good value in that 5-6 to six already. And obviously when it's enhancing the treble, you'll be getting even more value. So I think it's it's a very solid leg for a treble. We do spoil you people, don't we? Jake, let's go with you. Uh, I'll take a game we've not touched on. Um, Liverpool-Brighton and go with both teams to score. Now, obviously, Potter's moved on. Brighton, Deserby's come in. Uh, he's a very attack-minded coach and he takes over a team that were very attack-minded under Graham Potter. So I don't expect too much to change um, on the face of it from an attacking standpoint. I think defensively, he'll make them slightly more vulnerable than Potter. Um, but with all the issues Liverpool have had defensively, their personnel that they're missing, I think Brighton will get on the score sheet in this one. And, um, and Liverpool, you know, they have issues 
undoubtedly, but one thing they don't have issues with is creating chances. They're still creating an abundance of chances, uh, over 2.4 expected goals for per game uh, on average, and that only increases when playing at home. So I think we could be in for a, a pretty pretty entertaining game. Both teams get on the score sheet. And Brighton have got a really good record against Liverpool, um, particularly scoring in recent years as well. So I do quite like that one at a fairly big price. And Mark O'Hare, take us home. Um, I'll go to a game on Sunday, which I'll cover in Sunday's show. It's Lorient against Lille, and both teams to score a bet that's banked in all eight of Lille's away or all eight of Lille's games since Paolo Fonseca arrived, and six of Lorient's matches already this season too. And they're going great guns at the minute. Real surprise package in Ligue 1. So yeah, both teams to score in the early kickoff on Sunday from Ligue 1. And banging bets is what Mark O'Hare is all about. That's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. We will have another show coming up looking at the Manchester Derby. We're also going to take a little look at the World Cup outrights, uh, outrights as well after the recent international break. Lots of other Betfair shows to enjoy. Uh, Racing Only Better, NFL Only Better and Cricket Only Better as well. From Jason, from Jake, from Mark and from me. It's goodbye for now.